This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey everybody, this is Sean Daly. Thanks as always for listening in today on GreenLivingIdeas.com's Green Talk Radio. And the topic of our program today is something I'm very excited about, which is talking about going green at work and at the office. Uh, and for those of you with small businesses, we'll, we'll be talking about that as well. And to talk with me about that today is Anka Novakovic, who is a eco-coach. She is, that's actually her business name is Eco Coach, and she is a consultant to businesses and employees who are looking to go green at the office. Anka, welcome. Thank you, and thanks for having me, Sean. It's our pleasure. So, yeah, I'm really very curious to hear about. Well, first of all, why don't we just start with your background? How did you become an Eco Coach, and how do you help businesses? Well, my background is actually in management consulting, so I've been doing consulting for about eight years, and I've always been passionate about the environment. I decided to marry those two about a year ago. I actually started in February of 2006 part-time, and then November of 2006, I went full-time with this. I see. And so you know, who who's your first client? Can you talk about that as a first example? Sure. It was actually a local restaurant that is very uh, socially responsible and sponsors a lot of events, kind of um, making people aware of social um, aspects of the city and also because I'm in Washington, D.C., it is a political city, so um, kind of a lot of politically related events, but they didn't have the environmental uh, portion of sustainability, so to speak, so they were interested in um, bringing that on board and so being environmental and socially conscious so you can, and they can be more sustainable overall. And have you found that most of your customers or interested prospects are companies that are already sort of green or get it or ones that are sort of saying, we don't know what to do, can you help us get there? It's actually the second. Um, there are a lot of companies that have heard about um, going green and have seen, uh, maybe seen their competitor doing it or have had customers asking about it, but they're not really sure where to go. So they want to bring someone on board or a team on board to tell them where to go. But there are also some that have started that have um, an environmental group, so to speak, and they've taken the first step, but after that, they're not really sure where to go. So they need additional directions from someone who's been doing it, obviously, longer than they have. Sure. So can you give us an example, Anka, of you know, walk us through a typical client uh, walking into the business and what you look for and some of the typical suggestions you might make in terms of uh, increasing their sustainability as a business? <laughs> well, there is no typical client. <laughs> okay. There's actually, what's interesting um, with this is that the clients range from Fortune 500 companies. Um, I've worked with some of those, and I've worked with um, small mom-and-pop stores. But in general, there are two services that most that I found most businesses are really interested in. One is an eco-audit, where essentially um, we would go in and look at their 
energy consumption, water um, consumption, waste management practices, uh, their procurement, their training, their transportation and overall um, policies, and see where they are right now, where they want to be, and help them get there in terms of whether they are sustainable, um, how much more eco-friendly they want to be given their budget, given their timeline, and what have you. The second thing is workshops for employees, actually. A lot of um, employers are interested in educating their employees and realize that although they can do, um, they can take action in the workplace and they're starting to, they should also take those actions and uh, apply them to the home. So there are a lot of workshops that kind of go into how to green your, your um, work, but also how do you take that into your everyday life. Sure, because certainly the same principles that would apply exactly. at work would apply at home. Yep. So, so let's pretend now that we're in one of your, your workshops or seminars. What are, what are some of the things that you might be saying to the attendees? Okay. Well, for uh, businesses, there are a lot of things that they can do. They can, for example, they can reduce their energy bills. Um, and depending on whether they own the building or not, there are some things that they can do. The one that I'm sure you've heard of is changing um, the light bulbs, obviously. But there, there are other things that are related to energy use and electricity use. For example, when you're in the office, you can uh, turn off computers overnight, turn off the lights, or um, install motion detectors within the offices and also within the bathrooms. Um, unplug any equipment that's not in use overnight or just set a timer for it. So there, those are some really basic things that you can do to decrease your um, energy bill. Some other things are if you do own the building or if you are able to change, um, for example, the fixtures and um, the appliances, obviously, if there are kitchens, put in Energy Star refrigerators. In the restrooms, install low-flow low toilets and um, put aerators on the uh, sink, on the faucets. So. Yeah, those are good. I'm curious too on some of those recommendations, which are, I think, are all definitely sound really sound. Um, I, you know, you mentioned about <clears throat> the power usage of devices and turning them off or unplugging them. And logistically, logistically, I imagine it might be kind of hard to go around and sort of pull the plug out of every cord. Are, are you finding that um, <clears throat> some of the employers are doing things like I, I know I've heard about people just doing surge strips everywhere because there's sort of a standby power usage, a passive power usage that happens. Um, is, is that one of your one of the recommendations, or are, are there other devices or products that, that sort of make that a little bit easier for, for businesses to implement that? There, um, the power strip is one is one of the bigger ones right now. There are there's a smart strip which works a little bit better, more on um, timer. But as of now, I think for, for smaller offices, it's easier to kind of turn things off manually and, and use a surge uh, protector. For larger offices, I think there <laughs> it would be great if there are other um, other electronics out there that are available. But unfortunately, from what I'm aware of, they're they're not yet on the market. It, yeah, it seems like there's a place to go for any budding entrepreneurs listening in out there. It seems like they're, they're really <laughs> it hasn't been embraced yet, where you can really yeah. simplify this process of of really dealing with that that passive power usage that I, that I was talking about. 
Um, they, they, they haven't made it easy. So you know, there's definitely an opportunity there. A lot of business opportunities in this space. Well, Anka, we're going to take a quick break here. I'm talking with Anka Novakovic, who is an eco-coach in the Washington, D.C. area. And we'll be right back with Anka right after this word. Listen to Living Green, Effortless Ecology for Everyday People, a weekly online audio program featuring champions of sustainable living at personallifemedia.com. Okay, well, we're back with Anka Novakovic. You mentioned toilets too, low flush. Are you also seeing, uh, I know dual flush is very common in um, green building, in residential building projects. What about in commercial? I have been seeing, for example, um, well, there are some organizations that I've been to that I've, uh, I have consulted with too that have um, started implementing those, although the cost is a little bit higher. So when they're doing renovations, they will do that, but they don't necessarily do it um, right away. But there are so, but dual flush toilets do exist yes. in a com- for a commercial grade because yes. I know that yes, they do. commercial versus residential um, bathroom appliances are you know it's a different market, different products and such. Exactly, and there are some, um, for example, where it's not exactly the dual flush that you think of at the top. It's a handle on the bottom where you either push it down or put, pull it up. I see, and so that's the the, the two different ways. But they do exist in the commercial market as well. Okay, I'm I'm always amazed too. Whenever I, I travel in Europe, that you know, e- even the just the, he, here a dual flush toilet is like, oh wow, wow, that's very you know high tech and you know avant garde and everything. And in Europe, there's just sort of everywhere. It's just exactly it's default. Exactly. So it's yeah, it's funny. Yep. Um, and and also, I think uh, the other question I had was about: Do you get involved at all, or do you have other consultants you work with to bring in for lead building projects for somebody who say? I don't know if you've dealt with this, but some a company that is maybe moving their offices or remodeling their offices to, to build towards the lead standard. I do. I am involved with with it. I'm actually lead accredited, but um, most of the time I don't really have time to focus on it. So I will bring in other people, and there are quite a few um, businesses now that when they're moving offices are looking to do that. Not maybe and not necessarily to get the certification for the building, but there are some clients that I've spoken to that want to do as much as they can. Um, giving their resources and their timeline to get as many points as they can, and maybe later on they can move forward and uh, possibly get certification. Right, and and just for those listening in who may not be familiar with LEED, I would definitely recommend uh, looking on our website on greenlivingideas.com and putting in the search box LEED to get more information, or certainly on Google as well, you'll get lots of good info. But basically a, a building standard that applies now both to there's residential and commercial, um, and there's a point system where you have to achieve a certain number of points in different categories in order to uh, rate different levels of certification for as a green building. Um, right, and the U.S. Green Building site is a great resource as well for that, which USGBC.org. Thank you. Thank you. So now we talked a little bit about the the employer's side of it, the you know the commercial building. Tell us some of the things that the employees can be doing both at the office as well as uh, at home, and, and at the office maybe in terms of their day to day activities, the things they deal with, and then you know the things that they can cross over into the home. Um, there are a couple of things that are relatively easy to do at the office, and one of them is reusing and recycling paper. About Oh, 85% of all office paper is discarded annually. So um, if 
if we can even use a portion of that and keep it from the landfill, I think that's a huge step. So using the back of fax papers or uh, paper printed on one side of scrap paper, um, printing double-sided or thinking twice about printing uh, draft materials, reading them on the screen, that's, that's a pretty easy one. Another really easy one is recycling. If recycling is available in your building, make sure to, to do it, to take that extra couple of steps <laughs> and mm -hmm. go to the recycling bin versus the, the trash basket. And if it's not, um, talk to your employer about why it isn't and see about starting a program, maybe taking the initiative on that. Another thing is bringing in a mug and reusable plates and uh, utensils for drinking and for um, lunch. And yet another, <laughs> I could go on please, and on, please do. is um, reusing supplies because um, commercial waste, including office waste, amounts to about oh, 35 to 45% of total waste generated. And so uh, reusing world, Worldwide, you mean? Like countrywide? Um, in the U.S. In the U.S., in the US. okay. Um, and reusing binders, envelopes, uh, tape dispensers, having a common area where things can be dropped off and picked up. It's another um, another suggestion. Some some other that can be used at work, well, <laughs> from home to work and vice versa, is, um, either biking or using public transportation or carpooling, which I'm sure you're, you've heard over and over again. It always begins repeating. Even, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But even if you do it once or twice a week, um, walking is great exercise, and maybe even walking to the bus stop or to the metro and back is great. You know, you know, I want to just and I want to pause there, and I really appreciate. I, I'm listening because I want to just. This is my favorite part of the show is talking to experts with, you know, all the recommendations they come up with and hearing that content. I know that the the, the listeners really value that as well. But you know, it's funny about the the public transportation thing is I know a lot of people, uh, you know, hear that and just go, oh yeah, right, I'm not going to take public transportation. But it, you know, there are so many ways if you change your thinking. I mean, even for example, like you know, the the commute can be difficult because a lot of people live, unfortunately, the way our society is designed and our cities are built and the suburb scenario and such, it can be difficult to, to, for example, bike to work unless you're, you know, a hardcore biker or you happen to live, you know, a few miles from work. Um, but you know, I think that it really bears really looking at, I think a lot of people who might dispense that idea out of hand, maybe haven't really looked into all the available options, ride sharing, carpooling. I mean, it's not just about, Oh, I don't want to get on the bus with, you know, whatever your mental image might be. Um, it's worthy of investigation and, and people do things like, I mean, I, I love the things that are out there. There's, there's an opportunity for personal expression too. I've talked to people and we have experts on our site that write about things like, you know, electric bicycles where, you know, it's a power assisted bicycle, um, or there are, there are hybrid, hybrid scooters or electric scooters now even electric motorcycles or, you know, if you can do public transportation, right. But there are just, a, there is a plethora of options out there for people that if you just investigate, um, you know, and also things like, for example, not getting in the car to go to lunch and driving across town from the office and maybe walking to a place. Cause it, as you pointed out, it's, it's an opportunity for exercise and maybe you're not getting enough exercise in your life. And so if you start getting creative and combining these things, all of a sudden you're, you're killing two birds with one stone. Um, so anyway, yeah. So I think it's just That's really, exactly it's a, right. yeah, it's a, it's a change of thinking more than anything. Yeah. yeah. So a, any other, any other tips on the, on the employer side? On the I'm sorry, on the employee side. On the employee side. 
one one other thing is really communicating in um, I mean there are there are quite a few tips uh, and I think some that I've mentioned before like turning off your computer turning off the lights um, trying not to use um, supplies use only what's necessary but the other thing um, that I really stress is education and communicating with others in the office so that they are aware of a what you're doing because I think it's something great and to be proud of but B um, they understand the benefits of doing it for themselves and also for the earth and so the more um, it, it's kind of like mini activism right in the office yeah the more you talk about it and get excited about it the more other people are going to get excited about it and if you even if you uh, put together a team you know if you get enough people excited about it you put together a team and you can really impact your organization um, at a much higher level than you know just your recycling or you know your reusing paper or what have you although those are kind of the basic building blocks from that and I would imagine that, that a lot of employers I mean at least smart employers to me would, would really get behind this and be supportive of an employee or a team of employees wanting to implement uh, these types of programs as opposed to somebody who might be kind of concerned that you know you're you're being like the you know the, the green Nazi in the office or something like that I mean to me I think most employers are really getting that this is important. Uh, and they need to do that. Is that is that what you're finding as well? Oh yeah, I definitely am finding that. And one um, great thing that I'm finding is that employers are looking for creative ways to incentivize their employees to do this these things. So they are um, implementing you know floor by floor challenges or competitions or um, different ways that they can get the employees to actually change their behavior and make it fun. So that's that's one thing that's been really exciting. And we'll be right back with Anka right after this word. Listen to Just for Women, Dating, Relationships, and Sex, a weekly internet audio program from personallifemedia.com. Fresh inspiration and expanded relationship options for today's woman. Okay, well, we're back with Anka Novakovic, and she is an eco-coach. We're talking to her about going green to the office, both for employers and employees. Anka, I had another couple questions for you. One, one was about, you know, for any employers that are out there, business owners that are, are listening to this podcast, one question I think that maybe some of them are saying, well, this all sounds really good, but, you know, why should I be doing this now versus, you know, waiting and doing it later? Um, that is a great question. One reason is, obviously, there's increased awareness. Um, of global warming and the impact that we are having as humans and, and the impact that corporations are having on this. The other, obviously, um, is that global warming is here to stay, and it is something that um, we have been impacting, and we can impact negatively or positively. But the other, um, and a, another reason, I guess, from a, a business perspective is uh, to... The, the fact that the consumer base that is asking for green products and green services is growing um, quite quickly. Actually, the, there's a term for it, which is the Lifestyles of Health and Sustainability, LOHAS, um, which some people may have heard of. And essentially, they represent about a $230 billion, I believe, uh, market right now annually, and they have been growing at about 10% per year. They're anticipated to, to grow at about 10% per year. So that's quite a large 
uh, chunk of money right there that a lot of um, businesses can benefit from. That's right. It really has developed into its own world and its own very large industry. Um, that's for sure. And that actually dovetails pretty well into to my next question, which is along with that, uh, the interest in the space, the Lojas uh, industry, which you described and just being green, <clears throat> it also brings in, I think, a certain element of what's come, be, come to be known as greenwashing. In, in your world, and we this is a term we hear put out there quite a bit, in, in your estimation, what, what is greenwashing in your world and, and how do you see that happen? Or do you see that happen? Well, um, yes, I do see it happen, unfortunately, and I see it more in the news and um, from companies that are doing little things that they want to uh, pass off as being and green, quote-unquote. Um, from what I've seen, essentially, it's taking um, actions that the company has already been doing. For example, um, if they've been recycling or if they've been using minimal product um, or minimal packaging to cut down on costs and touting those as being green. And while they are um, green, essentially, the, the company is taking that one action or two actions that, they're take, that they have taken in the past and saying that their whole um, organization is green because of it. I see. So essentially, it's, they're not really a green organization, but parts of it is taking steps towards it. That's one, one way that I've seen it. The other way is the way that um, some companies um, are marketing their products. For example, you might have seen the, um, a lot of uh, companies at your local drugstore using the word natural um, on their products, and because that's not regulated right now, natural can mean anything. So mi <clears throat> mislabeling, okay. essentially. Yes. Okay. Well, yeah. Um, they may have one natural product, and they may have a percentage of a, a product in there, and so they're calling it natural. Mm -hmm. so yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah, that is unfortunate. It's, it's unfortunate, especially with it's particularly... I think egregious where there, it's non-regulated, so it's just really easy for them to do it. It's it's got to be it's kind of very tempting for less scrupulous marketers to to do that. And you know we're seeing even with the organic label, which has gotten watered down recently, unfortunately, um, you know we're seeing that happen there too. So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Are, are you also seeing? I'm curious if you're seeing it with regards to you mentioned an example of where they were sort of the company was already doing and implementing certain practices. Um, are you also seeing it where they're implementing these practices m more specifically for financial reasons and cost-cutting and increasing profitability, yet they might also coincide with being green in some way, and so they sort of tout the green side in a, in a disingenuous fashion where it's really about uh, there's an economic incentive that's driving it? Um, yes, I have, but I also... Um if they haven't been doing it, and they're doing it now for cost-cutting measures, and they are calling it green, the argument that I have there, I don't have as much of an issue with it because the way I look at it is they are still saving um, resources and materials. So although they may be doing it for the wrong reasons and they're calling it by the wrong name, or they, they may be doing it for other reasons, I should say, maybe calling it um by the wrong name, so they're saying it's green, although they're not really doing it for that reason, they're still uh, taking steps that are decreasing the carbon footprint. So I'm going to look at it on the positive side of that. Um, even though they are taking steps and they're mislabeling them, at least they're taking those steps. 
Yeah, I think it's you know it's really a process, and I think it's great the work you're doing because what what I have seen in my own life, and I know uh, people that I've talked to, and people who visit the website, employees here, and just people that I run into at trade shows and things is you know it's it's this is a snowballing effect that happens in your life where you do one thing or somebody like yourself introduces certain concepts and and you put a little energy there and it just it it sort of begets additional things. It, all of a sudden, it just starts to increase and you find other ways. And it, I don't know, it just sort of opens your mind to things and I don't know, and things just start happening and, and uh, your your uh, awareness expands, as it were, around sustainability and what that means. So it's any any place you start, if you're listening in, either as an employee or an employer, uh, any place is a good place and there's no, uh, you know, there's no right or wrong place to start here. Exactly. The one thing that I did want to add is for a lot of people starting, it can seem overwhelming because there are so many things that you can do in the beginning, even at the office. Um, so what I tell my clients um, is to start with a few things that are the easiest to do. And so I'll, I'll make recommendations on that. But, you know, pick a couple things where you can change your habits and you feel comfortable doing it. See how that works for the next three months or so and then pick a few more things. Or if you get excited, do more at once. Great. Well, my guest today has been Anka Novakovic talking with me about going green for businesses. She's the president of EcoCoach, which you can find online at www.eco-coach.com. Anka, thanks again for being with us and sharing all this great information. Thank you so much, Sean. It was a pleasure. Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com. 